You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith. I am your host, Stuart Deloney, and Snarky Faith is radio for the spiritually disenfranchised. If you've had enough of the insanity in Christianity, hey, you've come to the right place. Here at Snarky Faith, we're all about finding a sane faith grounded in reality and working to make the world a better place in tangible ways. We're here to call out religious BS look for better ways forward, and help you to realize that you're not crazy. All this stuff is really just messed up. And if you can handle your conversations about faith with copious amounts of sarcasm and also a bit of this, then welcome home. We're glad you're here. On today's show, we're going to be taking a pause. So for the past many weeks, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we have one more week left in that. Through our talks on the Sermon on the Mount, we have talked a lot about mindfulness and meditation and being able to center yourself and being able to understand the, the, the ways that we need to be able to see the world through a different perspective. And so today's show, we're going to be talking about faithful mindfulness with my good friend, Justin Meyer. But before we descend into the snark, just a reminder that this broadcast and all past podcasts can be found at snarkyfaith.com or wherever else you listen to podcasts, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, where, there, we're everywhere. Just look for Snarky Faith. And if you like the show, make sure to share, subscribe, and if you're feeling particularly generous, guess what? Drop us a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps to get the word out to new listeners. And if you want to interact more with the show, you can find the Snarky Faith page on Facebook. Drop me a line at Stuart at SnarkyFaith.com. That's S-T-U-A-R-T at SnarkyFaith.com. And if you want to leave a message that'll probably end up on the air, you can record it on our website, SnarkyFaith.com. So we've got a lot of content on this show this week. So without further ado, we're going to hop into our quintessential segment here for Snarky Faith. It is the choices cuts of Christian nuts, the best of the worst in Christianity. That's right. We've got the Christian crazy of the week. If loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. Lord have mercy. The Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. So if you are tuning into the show for the first time, The Christian Craze is a space where we highlight the worst, the abject worst of Christianity in the hopes that we're able to say, hey, that's not really anything to do with Jesus because Jesus, what did he say? So first up, first up, I want to do this. I want to introduce you to the concept, which we've talked about many times before, the concept of gaslighting. What is gaslighting in a church? What, what, what could it look like? Huh? I think it's when you have a pastor that tries to tell you that the world is one way, but you are thinking of it all wrong. So let's hop in 
to one of the worst. That's Pastor Shane Vaughn, who is going to give us a masterclass in gaslighting. So, Shane, you're a horrible human being. Go ahead, Tom. Now, many people have told me that, um, you know, they're losing faith in Donald Trump because of his stand on the vaccine. Let me correct you. You're not losing faith in Donald Trump because it was not Donald Trump that put Donald Trump in that office. Four years before Donald Trump was ever known about running for office, Yahweh, the God of heaven, spoke through the mouth of a prophet and said that a man named Donald would be put into the White House and that that man Donald would be the servant of Yahweh to restore America. And guess what else that man, that God said? That this man would serve two terms. So if you're losing faith in Donald Trump, you're really losing faith in the God that put him in office. And that's a dangerous thing, okay? You know what a dangerous thing is? The people listen to Pencil Dick here. They actually see him as a leader and a pastor that tries to tell you, you know, how it's going to be. But honestly, what? Oh, if you're losing faith in Trump, it's really because you're losing faith in God. It's so tired. It is so tired. Because I feel like these are kids that just need time out to be able to say, hey, go sit in the corner for a while until you can just say, I was wrong. I was wrong. But you know who's someone who won't say I was wrong and is going to introduce you to one of the stupidest phrases I have heard in a long, long time. It boggles the mind. It boggles the mind in only a way that Prophet Robin Bullock can boggle the mind. So let's let Robin Bullock here do his wordsmithing as only he can. What do you call a, a sugar pill? A placebo. A placebo. The jab, I heard the Lord say, is a deadly placebo. A deadly placebo. Do you get that? So what is a placebo? We used to call them what? Sugar pills? And they would give them to people to manipulate their thoughts. To make them think. People say, oh, there's just something wrong with me. So, so they would give them a sugar pill and they'd take it thinking they was, it was the medicine that would cure this. And some people lived healthy lives by taking it. Well, the jab is a deadly placebo it's to manipulate a mind while it kills the body uh, Jesus Robin Bullock you are a dumb 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 motherfucker and pretty much the definition of what an oxymoron is deadly placebo <laughs> but guess what we've got better things so forget the christian crazy let's hop to our interview because it's past time for us to hop into something less frivolity and more edifying so here's our interview today it is my absolute pleasure to be able to sit down with one of my best friends 
Uh, he has been a person for me that has been a great friend, a great support, uh, a great person that I like to go to for perspective and wisdom. Um, it is the Reverend Dr. Justin Meyer. He is a board-certified trauma-informed therapist, a pastor, a seminary professor, a life coach, and just a beautiful human being. So, uh, Justin, welcome here for being part so of the show. So glad, so glad to be with you. Uh, besides all the titles, I just like being your friend, and uh, that's that's kind of the best thing. We've we've done a whole lot together. Uh, We've been on a lot of different journeys with a lot of different people and places. And so just to be able to spend time with you uh, today, again, on the podcast is, is a lot of joy for me. Awesome. Now, now, what we want to do, Justin, what makes Justin interesting, other than just being my friend, uh, is that Justin is involved in a, in a church called The Journey. The Journey is a trauma-informed church. So we're going to be doing a little talk on mental health and and trauma, especially uh, how they're help, how they're dealt with within ministry contexts, and then we're going to get to talk about something I think all of you guys will enjoy because I've been enjoying this for the past couple of weeks. I've been listening to it. Is Justin has a daily podcast uh, called Faithful Mindfulness, and it is something that has really been helping ground me in this time. Um, so, Justin, like starting things off, you have been a friend of mine. You have been uh, through many different places in ministry. You've been involved in large churches, small churches, church planting, uh, nonprofit ministries, all this other kind of stuff too. Um, what, from all of that you've journeyed through in ministry, what, what led you to this point for being a counselor and being involved in this and, in, in, yeah, in trauma-informed therapy? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because uh, who I am today is probably 180 degrees different than who I was even 10, 15, especially 20 years ago. Uh, when when I got into ministry, I was part of a more progressive and mainline movement, but something inside of me kind of railed against that. I, at that point, did not realize it was healthy. And, and so I, I kind of pushed against it, and I went the polar opposite direction and got involved in conservative fundamentalism and complementarianism and, and some very toxic theological perspectives. And I, I messed a lot of people up, I think. I mean, and I don't say that to be dramatic. And I don't mean like I, I caused anyone to, you know, necessarily, uh, in their lives, but but I did cause people some harm mentally, socially, emotionally. And and I was on this trajectory of of doing what was viewed as successful in ministry, right? I I became part of some large churches. I planted a church that multiplied multiple churches. And then I became a denominational official for a denomination and really springboarded a lot of people uh, into ministry. But that was all with a bit of a toxic mindset, right? It was about controlling people. And when I look back at it, I didn't realize it now, but I, I was into manipulating people too, that I used biblical text, I used uh, people's emotions, uh, I used fear as a tool for manipulation. And so, you know, that's that's who I was. And I started to get involved. Well, and let me say too, I 
I even went through a seminary that <laughs> taught us nuthetic counseling, which has now the name has been changed, but it's one of the most uh, abusive forms of Christian counseling there has ever been. Uh, it tells uh, women to stay with abusive husbands and to pray for it and that they're probably not saved and God probably doesn't love them if they don't stay with their abusive husbands. And I'm talking not like just verbally abusive while I think that's bad enough and people need help. Like these were, were women who were actually like being beaten and they were told to stay mm. in these toxic and harmful relationships. And so like, <laughs> this is my education. This is my background. You know, this is what I'm perpetuating. And and I start to get involved with uh, theologians and pastors and planters from other tribes by the grace of God and start getting exposed to other things. And here I am a, a Christian counselor, and so I want to grow in education uh, in the ideas of therapy and different things like that. So I start going to these trauma-informed classes, and at first. Uh, I I was like, this is stupid. This is dumb. We can't give gold stars to everybody. We can't make everybody feel like they're okay because they're not okay. Everyone is broken. And every and and while we all have our own baggage and there are parts of us that are broken, like it was a I had a lens that everyone was kind of worthless. And if they didn't have what I was handing out, then they were especially worthless. Mm. Right. And this was taking me to uh, starting to think about people being made in the image of God uh, and and everyone uh, having worth and value. And while we pretend to believe these things and conservative evangelical Christianity, like really when it came right down to it, we didn't. And so, uh, you know, my eyes were being opened even even though I was struggling with comprehending some of these ideas. And surprisingly, usually I'm an early adopter on things, but I I came around and I was a bit of a late adopter, but the science, you, you couldn't get away from the science and seeing how brains change due to trauma and what exercises you can do to help people heal from trauma and, and launch into living new lives of transformation. And I don't just mean this from a Christian perspective, but I, I mean this from a complete perspective, secular and Christian. And, and I was just fascinated because deep down, I'm a person about results, right? And, and I always wondered why when people were involved in the faith communities that I pastored or led or helped with, like, when they were part of the group, they were fine. But as soon as they got away from the group, it seemed like their lives went to shit, right? And and that bothered me. And it seemed like whether these people who received these types of therapeutic practices uh, were part of faith communities or not, they were living lives that were thriving and growing and transformed. And so those things really began to 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 wrestle with me. And so I started engaging in in trauma trauma informed practices and learning more. In fact, I got involved with the Department of Mental Health uh, here in Missouri and they allowed me to start teaching and just all kinds of different things. And then something that really rocked my world 
but uh, I see God using in some amazing ways is I went through a really messy divorce and uh, I felt horrible and destroyed. Uh, I left ministry for a little bit. Uh, and uh, in all of that, I didn't think I had any value anymore. Uh, yeah, I could still do therapy as a board certified licensed therapist, but, but you know, uh, everything that I had been in the past, I mean, from my early teens to, you know, my late thirties and it was all gone. Uh, but I had some people come along and love me and support me and help me. Uh, I had a pastor at uh, a church who actually, funny story, the, the first time my now current wife and I showed up to this church, uh, it was a, a really rough Sunday. The, the snow was coming down hard. Usually this was a church of like 600 people. And that Sunday there were like 30. Uh, and we're coming out and he's like, I know you've never been here before, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and we start to talk and, uh, I introduce myself and I'm like, I'm Justin Meyer. And he's like, really like Justin Meyer, like a, a former pastor. Cause I said, I'd been a pastor and stuff. And, and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I have an article you wrote on my desk right now. <laughs> And so we go and literally the article sitting on his desk and it's about discipleship and church growth and all that good stuff. And he goes, do you want a job? You, you want to be, you want to be clergy here at the church? And, and I said, you know, uh, I've, I'm, I've just got done with a really messy divorce and I, I probably wouldn't qualify in your church for ministry. And he said, don't worry. I've been divorced a few times before too. And so <laughs> like, you know, he just welcomed Sarah and I in a big way uh, and really then started to give me a platform at the church and in his denomination for this idea of trauma-informed and resilience-building uh, faith communities. He let me start preaching and teaching. He let me start doing counseling out of the church. And I mean, things just really rocketed off from there. And then he encouraged me to take some of the people from his church and go 20 minutes down the road and start this experiment on a trauma-informed uh, uh, resilience-building faith community. And so, you know, and, and there's a lot of stuff that happened in between there. Mm -hmm. You're part of my life in between there. You've, you've experienced probably the largest portion of my healing process from going to an ass to going to a trauma-informed ass. So, <laughs> you know, I, but but there has been a lot of healing. Uh, I, I used to hate people when I was in ministry and now I love people. Mm -hmm. And that, that has probably been the biggest change in my heart. Like I actually care about people's well being, And, and while I would like to say it's all based on education, I mean, from a, a faith perspective, I will tell you, I, I believe God changed my heart. Mm -hmm. I really do. And he healed me from a lot of my own trauma and a lot of my own toxic uh, beliefs and lifestyle and has brought me around. And I'm not saying I've made it, but I'm saying a lot better. I'm a lot better than I used to be. So in, in this context, too, I want you to, to drop us some definitions of, of what we're talking about in these. Because you said two words I want you to talk about. First one is trauma. How would you define trauma in, in, in regards to this, this situation we're talking about? So one, I believe most people experience some form 
of trauma every day. And trauma for me is an experience that actually affects the brain. And what it does is it triggers uh, different hormonal responses that drives the processing in our brain from our frontal lobe back closer to our amygdala and our brainstem, which is the area where we process most uh, most ideas of fight, flight, and freeze, right? I like to say fight, flight, and piss your pants because <laughs> people actually literally do that. And that's a dramatic statement that I think some people really connect well with. But so these experiences uh, lead from, uh, or come from things like fear, or uh, anxiety and depression, and and people do something that triggers those responses in them, and it can it can it can come from physical stimuli, like you could be in a car wreck and that causes trauma, or you could uh, be hit, whether that's a child receiving a spanking or or an adult being slapped in the face. But those things trigger mental trauma. Uh, but then there's also like the words we use and we can attack people verbally or we can scare people verbally uh, for where they feel like their life is being threatened or not even just their life, but simply their well-being. So that's kind of how I would define trauma in a nutshell without being like technical and medical yeah. about it. So so it seemed like on the other end of the spectrum, we kind of have like the trauma that we received, but you also kept talking about resilience. Um, so how yeah. do yeah, to, to give us words for resilience too? Yeah. So resilience is the idea that you can bounce back from trauma and that you can cope with tough situations. Like I said, I feel like most people uh, experience some form of trauma every day. And for some people, that just keeps the processing in the brain further and further back. And so that's where they live at. In fact, you and I have talked before about the idea of ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. And there are children and adults who live constantly thinking out of that, that amygdala area of their brain, which is a miserable thing to do, always thinking that someone is out to hurt you or always thinking that someone is angry with you, always thinking that someone is going to do something bad to you, even when that person is trying to express love and healing mm. for them. But so what resilience building does is it actually helps one push the processing forward back to your frontal lobe. And you do that by stimulating the hippocampus in the brain with different exercises. And that gives your brain a hormone bath, whether it is serotonin or dopamine. And so your, your processing moves closer and closer to your frontal lobe. Mm -hmm. And so resilience building is giving people the opportunity to push that processing forward mm -hmm. and also giving them resources and exercise to overcome trauma in their daily lives. And I love how you are working to normalize this in spaces that we don't always talk about these types of things. You know, it reminds me, you were mentioning this, like of ACEs and, and trauma and stuff too, because I even, this past week, I had to go in for my... Uh, it was like my annual physical. And, and luckily, my doctor knows me. And she had actually helped me figure this out that I have, uh, I have what you call white coat syndrome, mm -hmm. uh, which just happens to be that your blood pressure gets up really high when you're at the doctor's office because of lots of trauma and stuff from the past or, you know, being around those situations. And, 
So lovingly, she will still send the nurse in, but then I heard her say, and then you're going to come back after about 10 minutes after he sits there and then take it again. And then so just wanting to see that drop in blood pressure because like the nurses will freak out when my blood pressure is high. And even if I'm sitting and doing meditation the entire time, I still see this being a thing. It still is a thing, still some part of my brain. Now, I, me saying that I love you normalizing this is, is one thing, but also why is this so important for you to be able to normalize this in ministry situations, in faith communities? Yeah, well, part of it is, is <laughs> faith communities have been really jacking up people for a really long time. And and I don't know. I was I was in a conversation just the other day about this, uh, actually, with one of my patients, and we were talking about narcissistic behavior. And she comes from a, an Italian Catholic background, where uh, narcissistic and manipulation manipulative behavior are very normal, mm-hmm. and it's passed on. She wondered if it was passed on genetically. I said, well, I think it's actually probably passed on environmentally and culturally, right? And I said, but the same is true for a lot of evangelical denominations. Uh, and and if someone is part of this, I'm not trying to attack you as a person, but the Baptist denomination is is runs rampant in this area, right? Uh, Like Southern Baptist and the independent fundamentalist Baptist groups, like they breed narcissism into their educational system and into their church systems. And I don't think they think they're being bad people. They're just producing learned behavior that has produced what they view as successful or healthy results. But, But really what oftentimes produces what we would view as success in worldly terms is the same thing that causes a ton of trauma in people. And so I think it's so important to bring this to the forefront of faith communities and businesses, honestly, Mm -hmm. is, is because we have created cultures of toxic masculinity. We have created cultures that embrace narcissism and, and call it winning. Mm -hmm. We have embraced systems that actually push people down and call people who are more emotional or more tender or more empathetic. We have called them weak and sometimes even worthless. Mm -hmm. And so it is vitally important to bring these discussions and these ideas to the forefront of ministry and and the business world because we want people to be healthy, not just spiritually, not just emotionally, but these things translate into physical well-being too. Mm -hmm. And what else do I... I had one other point I was going. And if we embrace people's emotional, spiritual, and physical well-being, we can help them become everything that God's created them to be. Mm. And I, I love that. I love that. And in and, and, and normalizing these things, because I've, I've even noticed this watching like TV. Um, I can think of two different shows that popped in my head, like the show Billions, which is about, uh, it's like a, a trading and stock market. But I know like what the main corporation on that, they have a psychiatrist hired to make sure all of their employees are, are operating optimally and healthily. Same thing they did on Ted Lasso as well, too. And I I think we're seeing this in other places. I think some companies are starting to do this. But the sad thing is, I feel like the church doesn't always see value in this, doesn't see value in putting time and money into it. And, and 
honestly, I have probably been, I, I'm trying to think if I've really been on a healthy church staff. If I've ever been on one that wasn't, that wasn't just about somehow coping and surviving the insane narcissism that you're dealing with in this unhealthy system. And I mean, that's just for staff. That's not even talking about how that pours over onto the congregations. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I find this very, very interesting and important with what's moving on here. Now, for you, what has the response been like on the other side? Because you've been doing this for people that are dealing with trauma. How, 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 has, 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 how has this been? Yeah, I, well, I, I first want to start out with saying, you know, as a trauma-informed church, mm-hmm. uh, we we do have a lot of things in place that help people. And uh, we help with our staff being trauma-informed. And we actually have requirements, you know, for our staff to actually be connected to mental health professionals because they deal with people with trauma, which gives them trauma. And, you know, we, we want everything to be healthy. But there are times that I still have to fight the old me, mm-hmm. right? We have a have a family who just had a child a couple weeks ago and the child was born with their heart literally backwards. Mm-hmm. So they had to do open heart surgery and all this type of stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that the husband, because this is, this is part of my background. My oldest was born on a Saturday mm-hmm. and I was just starting at a new church and I was expected to be in service first thing Sunday morning, the day after my daughter was born, Mm -hmm. right? That's toxic. Let's Mm -hmm. just be real honest about that. Uh, And I actually got in trouble because I stopped and helped a person change a tire uh, that day too on the way to church. And I was seven, I was seven minutes late, not for service, but just for (laughs) going, going to the time where we had our staff gathering. So in my mind, I still fight my programming for mm. Tim, who, so it's a husband and wife team, they're associate pastors. And I'm like, why is Tim not at church? Like, <laughs> And I have to remember, Justin, don't be an asshole. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I want you to know, I still wrestle with things mm. internally, but but being receptive, the people in the church love it. Uh, they they get it. Now, when we have visitors come, sometimes they're <laughs> they're a little skittish because we literally do a mindfulness exercise every Sunday morning in service, right? And we explain it, and there's scripture that goes along with it and different things. But they're like, "Are you new age?" Are- <laughs> Are, are you a cult? Are you? And it's like, no, like this is based on science and we want people to be able to hear clearly from God, mm-hmm. clearly from the Bible and clearly from each other. Mm-hmm. Like that's our goal, right? And so, but we get some pushback sometimes from visitors, but most visitors come alongside and start to enjoy it and embrace it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been aspects of the Christian community who embrace this. I got mm-hmm. to speak at the Solarize conference, right? And 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 share these ideas on a on a national and in fact even a worldwide platform. Uh, so that's been good. It has changed my counseling practice drastically. And so I see new people coming in frequently and in fact are overloaded sometimes. I get to help at a university practice some of these things. Uh, I'm on a a mental health board uh, for Graceland University in Lamoni, Iowa, which is is kind of neat and exciting. But then we have the conservative fundamentalist Christians who are like, you're just weird. Mm 
or <laughs> you're wasting time or this stuff shouldn't matter at all. And you're, you're dealing with stuff that isn't out of God's word, you know, and it's, it's the people who, who actually caused the trauma mm-hmm. that are most opposed to what we're doing. But I would say by and large, uh, people are very interested mm-hmm. and, and welcoming to the conversation embracing it is is a little bit of a different discussion. Uh, people are having a hard time finding ways to add it to their liturgies or their their services. And we just say, you know, we make it a priority. Mm-hmm. We, we know we're going to do it every Sunday. And if you make sure you do it every Sunday, it becomes natural. Mm-hmm. It feels a little weird in the beginning, but it becomes natural. You make a space for about seven minutes and you do something that helps People heal their brains, create new neural pathways, and it allows them to live uh, in that moment and in their lives in a more healthy way. Mm. Now, for you being involved in lots of different types of churches, right? And so you're talking about almost this from the programmatic standpoint of of how you guys put this on. Now, I'm curious, since you've been involved with different churches, you've also seen how communities exist around different churches, so I'm, I'm, you know, how how have you seen this change? Because I would imagine that this would the way your community interacts with one another is probably different than most churches. Am I right? I I think so. But here here's here's the thing too. So we're a we're a church plant. Like we've been having public services for less than six months, right? Mm-hmm. M- most of the people who attend our church do not have a church background, mm-hmm. and so or it's been a long time since that they've been part of a church. So they they take to this like fish take to water. <laughs> you know, it's people who come from other churches that are like, hmm, is this okay? Uh, but but you know, we have allowed this to become part of every aspect of what we do in church. So like I said, we do this in worship service. We have online Bible studies, uh, sometimes do in-person Bible studies. Uh, We do a mindfulness exercise at the beginning of all of those. Our church has a ministry school. We do mindfulness exercises before every class in our ministry school. When I teach at other seminaries, I do a mindfulness exercise with every seminary class. Uh, We do mindfulness exercises at every one of our church leadership and board meetings. So like this has become normalized, at least in the aspect and relationship to the community of faith of our church. Mm. So that's, that's been important, but we see people getting along, right? Like we, (laughs) we see people communicating with each other in very healthy ways, not facilitated by the leadership of the church, which I love, right? Like I don't have to be involved and I don't have to worry about how our people are necessarily treating each other uh, outside of, of the community of faith meeting together. So, you know, people help each other out. They go out of their way to, to care for each other and not make each other feel bad. They, you know, we, we have some people who are really struggling like right now emotionally in our church or who are going through some traumatic experiences like having a child who's born with their heart back and, and to see the people reach out and connect and care for uh, in very trauma informed ways has, has been some of the, the greatest fruit and excitement that I get to celebrate Mm. uh, in our ministry. And, and what's great is it may have started with me, but it continues with them. Mm. 
No, I love that. I because I, I, I do. I, I think this is this is very important because our abilities to to deal healthily with our own shit will directly impact how we deal with other people's shit. Yeah. You know, so to speak. You know, so if we can if we can be grounded in those places, we we are able to respond from a better place in, instead of just react. I guess I guess it it leads us to uh, respond and not react to people yeah. in, in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. We call it act, not react. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, and, and for us, what I guess some more of the fruit, let's use Christianese, right? <laughs> uh, so some more of, of the production or benefit is uh, I love to see people in our church get invited to participate like on community boards and in community organizations because they're viewed as healthy people who can serve, right? Like they're dependable people who who they bring something with them. And sometimes what they bring with them, like these groups can't even describe it, but it's like they bring a peace with them. And, and I love hearing stories like that because that means not only are the lives of the individuals in our church growing and transforming, but in small ways. And I don't want to over-exaggerate this at all. These are very small ways, but they're bringing transformation to our little community too that we live in. Yeah, but steps towards health, I mean, are, are, are always, they always begin in those small ways. You know, yeah. it's, it's always that kind of, yeah, incremental change too. Now, now within this, I know a lot of what you've been doing with the journey is also informing this new podcast that you've been doing. Now, how long have you been doing the Faith Faithful Mindfulness podcast for? I don't know. I think we may have started in October or November. Okay. Uh, and so just, just a few months. Okay. Uh, now tell us about it. What is it? What does this look like? So for me, it is the intersection of kind of uh, the Christian faith and, and mental health. Uh, you know, we, we talk about doing these things in our congregation, whether it's, it's in the church service and Bible studies, board meetings, you know, all that stuff. But for me, like I say, uh, trauma happens to people almost every day. And so to help people, uh, change the chemistry of their brain and deal with trauma every day, we literally put out a, a trauma informed, uh, resilience building podcast every day of the week. Now, Mondays, it's it kind of talks about a topic. It's about a 30-minute podcast. And in that, we discuss mental health issues. This pad, past podcast, uh, I discussed uh, uh, sleep. And the one that's getting ready to come out is we discussed why uh, mindfulness and meditation aren't, uh, aren't new age Eastern practices, but actually Christian practices. Uh, soon we hope to have some guests on it, but that that lasts about 20 minutes, those discussions do. And then we go in to uh, practicing gratitude, practicing healing, mindfulness exercises, and prayer. And that's every Monday. And then Tuesday through Sunday, there is a 10-minute or less podcast focused on just a small daily devotional that deals with healthy thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we practice gratitude. I tell people every day what I'm grateful for. Three things. Uh, we ask people to write three things down that they're grateful for and to experience gratitude because that actually changes the chemistry and the neural pathways in their brain if they do that for 21 straight days. And then we do what we call a healing mindfulness exercise 
where we focus on stimulating the hippocampus uh, to uh, shoot off either serotonin or dopamine to help move people's processing forward. And then we end with prayer. Mm. It's, it's really pretty simple. So I want you to speak a little bit. What is the importance? Because you mentioned this too. What is the importance to gratitude? How well, does that change? This? Yeah. Yeah. So when we practice gratitude, it actually changes the chemistry in our brain where uh, without getting like into the forest of it, it, it helps us engage life in a more positive posture, right? So as trials, as tribulations, as things that might cause depression or anxiety come at us, we look at it from an elevated view of positivity. So we automatically assume most of the time that we can overcome this issue, right? We don't, we don't feel trapped and it, it, it releases dopamine in our brains, which allows us then to have motivation to tackle those, those obstacles in front of us. So it actually is a way to help us get more shit done too in our lives. So that that's positive. But it does take 21 straight days of practicing gratitude and feeling grateful. And, and here's the thing, it can be small or large. Like Today, uh, in recording uh, one of the podcasts, I talked about how I was thankful for warm socks. I was thankful for a stocking cap that I was wearing and comfortable jeans, you know. And then sometimes I'm thankful for being able to guest, uh, be a guest on a podcast or, you know, different things like that. It can be large or it can be small, mm -hmm. but but it is practicing gratitude, giving thanks. And, and I'll tell you, from a Christian perspective, we give thanks to God because we believe every good thing comes from God. But a person who isn't a Christian can practice gratitude too. They can be thankful to the universe for, for whatever they have. But doing that does change the chemistry and it helps us live our lives in a different way. A, a simple way uh, to put it is when our brain is full of things that we are thankful for, it does not have room in it for depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. One thing I will tell you is I have been enjoying being able to have space every day, one, to spend with my friend um, in my ears, but also it's been something that that has, it continues to force me to slow down and 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 to look at things differently and to kind of take a breath out of the day to be able to regain my perspective, to be able to go and tackle it differently. So we talked about this ahead of time, Justin. So are you open and willing to give us like a little mini session of what this looks like? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wait, let me wait. Wait, what is that? What is that music? Did you bring music with you? I I, I did. You were so, professional. That is a therapist, man. So go ahead. Launch into us. Well, let me thank you and welcome you today to Daily Faithful Mindfulness. I'm Dr. Justin Meyer a trauma-informed, board-certified therapist, pastor, seminary professor, and life coach. The goal of this podcast is to help people overcome trauma and become everything that God has created them to be. A reading from Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a downcast spirit dries up the bones. Your brain and body respond to your mind. It is important to remember that the thoughts uh, that, that you create, create your mood. 
when you experience a fear-based emotion, you will feel under the weather and your thoughts will be shaped by your negativity. Your thinking will become distorted and you will lose the joy of now, this moment, making your body vulnerable to other diseases and illnesses. Toxic thinking and stress have been shown to reduce the size of certain structures in the brain. If, however, your thinking is positive, your mental and your physical health will improve. A cheerful heart really is like good medicine, allowing you to pursue your dreams because your brain and your body respond to love. You are, after all, created in the image of God, who is health and who is love. Now, if you will, take a deep breath with me in through your nose and out through your mouth. And as we do every day, let us take out our gratitude journals or our smartphones and our tablets, and let's write down three things that we are grateful for because every good thing comes from God. Today, I am grateful for avocados. I am grateful for everything bagel seasoning that I can put on my avocados. And I am thankful for a nice, warm cup of coffee. What are three things that you are thankful for? Try now to experience the feeling of gratitude within you and allow the chemistry of your brain to change and your neural pathways to heal and be pointed more towards a positive life, a positive posture. And take another deep breath with me in through your nose and out through your mouth. Now we ask that if you are operating a motorized vehicle that you pull to the side of the road or you pause the podcast to go to a place where you are safe, calm, and relaxed. Now, if you will, take another deep breath with me in through your nose, out through your mouth, and rest your eyes and begin to feel your body feel heavy and relaxed. Heavy and relaxed. As you grow in relaxation and as your body feels heavier and heavier in the chair you're sitting in and as you adjust to be as comfortable as possible, noticing your breathing in and out, in I want you to focus on the person who you feel loves you the most in your life. The person who shows you the most affection, who you feel most connected to, the person that you feel the most care and compassion about from them in your life. It could be a spouse, it could be a child, it could even be a dear friend. And I want you to picture that person in your mind and picture yourself being in their presence. And I want you to feel internally what it feels like to be loved by them. For some people, that feeling is warmth. For other people, it kind of feels like electricity. For other people, love experienced is like goosebumps. But whatever that feeling is, feel 
that feeling. And not only now feeling it in your chest and in your mind, allow that feeling to radiate through all of your body. Embracing you wholly down from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. And take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And then there we would go into a prayer and we would close out the, the episode. So that is is kind of what we do daily. And it's not the same mental meditation, right? It's different meditations to stimulate the hippocampus. Like what we did right there was we stimulated your hippocampus to give you a hormone bath of serotonin. So the goal of that exercise was was relaxation and serotonin. Now, I, I would say I would say that this seems to be something that would be for everybody because I know that like eight and 10 Americans will say that they feel stressed weekly and one in seven would say they feel stressed every day so yes do you think is would you say is this for anybody is this is this podcast basically just for anybody we should go out and listen to it right now is that kind of what you're you you definitely should go out and listen to it right now in fact you can find our podcast at www.faithfulmindfulness.com or you can follow us on facebook and twitter and instagram or find us on your wonderful podcasting platforms like apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor (laughs) <laughs> now, no, Justin, the people are also wanting to know a little bit more about um, just what you're doing with the journey and, mm-hmm. and what you're doing, you know, continue to do in your work here. How, how would people find out more about all of that? So you can learn more about the journey, which is a, uh, how do I want to say? We, we are a loving community of people that are radically inclusive. And and so everyone means everyone when we say everyone is welcome. And you can find more out about us at www.rethinkfaith.org, rethinkfaith.org. And I'll tell you, we we do have a lot that helps people, not just uh, my, my podcast, but our executive pastor, Sean Steele, actually does daily morning prayers. So every day at 8 a.m. Central Time, you can tune in for live prayer. You can have yourself, your family members, anyone prayed for. And it's a liturgical style of prayer, which actually stimulates the brain also uh, to uh, release uh, serotonin. So you can be healed through prayer. Uh, And it's about a 15-minute prayer session where there's a psalm and different things like that. We broadcast our sermons live, but then they're also archived. So you can be involved in that and you can see the whole service or you can fast forward to just the the mindfulness exercise and the lesson. So yeah, we we do a lot of different things. Uh, I'm willing to do uh, online coaching. So if you're not in the Kansas City, Missouri area, and you would like some coaching or counseling, I'd be more than happy to more than happy to do that. And I will say, I actually write personalized me, uh, mindfulness meditation sessions for people too. So I'm, I'm willing to do that. And we have a great thing going right now. Every few months we start it back up, but I do a thing where people for accountability's sake can text me or message me their gratitudes every day. And I message back mine so that there's that accountability, not only for them, but also myself. So we can make sure that we're changing the chemistry of our brains and, and truly becoming everything God has created us to be. Mm -hmm. So people are interested in that. How do they 
stalk you, track you down, all that jazz about coaching well, and things. Yeah, I, I would say the best way to get a hold of us is either to email me, justin.patrick.meyer, M-E-I-E-R, at gmail.com, or message us on Faithful Mindfulness uh, on Facebook. So we, we are on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us there. You can message us through there. But I will tell you, we are probably most active on Facebook and email. Well, Justin, I love the work that you're doing. I, I love that you are stepping into an area I think that a lot of ministries need to be, um, especially just just alone of just knowing with with having kids in school going through the pandemic, just just being able to see how hard it's been on parents and kids. Simply that um, I've just I've I've seen that a lot in my life for my kids to my kids' friends to my kids' friends' parents. There is there is a lot of this going on. That's just COVID. And which is outside of normal life. And so I things like this are important. Conversations like this are important. And I love the work that you are doing to try to normalize mental health and therapy in these circles. I, I, I kind of want to leave your folks with this thought. If the church ever wants to truly be the place of hope, help, and healing in the future, like if, if we really want to exist in the future and be uh, a blessing to the communities around us, we have to engage and, and make trauma-informed care and resilience building a critical aspect of everything we do. If we don't, in 30 years, we will be obsolete. Mm-hmm. Well, brother, I, I thank you for your time, and I thank you for the work that you are doing. Um, and I think that this is going to be something that we need to continue to have more conversations with about mental health in the future, too. So I'd love to have you back on sometime. Anytime, any place, any day for you, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Justin. So that's all we've got this hour, boys and girls. It's been fun. It's been fun. Yes. So remember, what are you supposed to do? Check out Faithful Mindfulness. And make sure that you turn tune in to our next show, which is going to be finishing out the Sermon on the Mount. So we've got faithful mindfulness, what you need every day. And next week on Starkey Faith, we're going to finish this thing out. We're going to land the plane. But before I send you off, just a reminder to share the show, subscribe, and give Snarky Faith a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the word out to new listeners. If you want to reach out to me directly, hit me up at Stuart at snarkyfaith.com. That's S-T-U-A-R-T at snarkyfaith.com. Thank you for being a part of this show week after week. I appreciate all of you, my listeners. So as I release you out into the wild, wide world, I send you out the holiest amount of grace and peace and snark. Go out and make a difference in your own space. And the only way that you can, because God needs you to show up and show out and be yourself. <laughs> I'm out of here this week. Catch you guys again next week. Peace!